Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, this is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. And I am Sam Nifty Delaney, so what? It's History Box, and we're doing uh, Gulliver's Travels. I've forgotten where we got to. Did we even fucking... We didn't actually do any Gulliver last time, did we? Fuck knows. I'm looking at the uh, part two, A Voyage to Brobdingnag... Which we were supposed to be uh, looking at, and then. Uh, well, let's just nope, have a look at it. I can't this. remember what happened. We probably got sidetracked by something or other. I'm just quickly looking at the episode itself. I think Did I it might happen. Have, I think was it last week that it was. We took model villages. It was the gas episode, wasn't it? We started talking about gas. Didn't get into any kind of oh, yeah. travels. Well, and look where we are now. I mean, a week's a long time. Now, every, I don't know. Like I went when I went out yesterday. There was queues all the way up the the road <laughs> for petrol. It's gone mental, mate. And we predicted it. It's like that film, The Road. I mean, I've never seen it, but I get the sense it's like The Road. I've never heard of it. Let alone you seen know, it. it's that dystopian thing. Um, where it's like father and son in a sort of, you know, wasteland, uh, dystopian wasteland trying to survive. I, I tend not to um, take interest in dystopian films. Really? Do you know what I mean? Uh, I'm, I'm not interested. I, I want to see what dystopia is going to be like. Uh, but I I find it quite appealing because although obviously in, in one sense dystopia is awful, <clears throat> but also like, you know, I saw this one Children of Men once and like um, you know like we used to talk on this podcast a huge amount about going off grid right and and in it yeah. like Michael Caine plays this guy who's gone off grid and he mm. lives behind some bushes like you have to go down just, you're going down a country road some bushes. and then you take a like you just <laughs> take a random left go through some bushes and Michael Caine's got his rig set up there and I can't tell you how appealing that feels do you know what I mean? Like, have, have a secret yeah. rig off-grid behind some bushes. And that's the sort of but, shit that goes but, on in dystopia. But the trouble is, though, all the anti-vaxxers have fucking have grabbed that idea now of going off-grid. They're all doing that now. And, and you know, yeah. so if you go off-grid, you could get your rig set up and then you find that you're, like, your next-door neighbour, who admittedly might be 200 yards down the road, also off-grid. You might find out it's a fucking anti-vaxxer. What, when you're taking the bins out deranged. from your bush home and you see him? yeah. 
Yeah. Monday's bush and home for us off-gridders. Temple. Monday's um, fin day for the off-grid community. Hello, mate. Hello, how you doing? You all right? How's, how's your off-gridding going? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's a wonderful sense of peace and freedom, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it means that we've got the banks and all of the other uh, lizards off our back and they're not trying to poison our minds anymore with their so-called vaccines. Uh, yeah. Yeah, mate, you should pop round one day. We can talk a bit more about it. Pop round for a cup of tea at my um, off-grid rig. No, sorry, mate. I'm I'm really busy. I, I can never talk to you ever again. Goodbye. I've I've gone so far off-grid that I just can't talk to you ever again. Come on, we're both only, off-gridders. Only... We're both in the off-grid community. Why don't you yeah, show but... a bit of friendliness? It's just that you seem no. mental, so no thanks. It's not a community. I've gone off-grid. That means I can't talk to anyone. Mm. I shouldn't even be talking to you now. I shouldn't even be fucking putting the bin out when they're telling me to put it out. I know. That's a compromise. I'm playing their game. Because they've, said, they've you... said Wednesday morning. And, you know, I don't fucking play by any rules. Well, you can go... Off-grid. What happens is, with so many people, they go off-grid, but then you end up just in another grid. See yeah, what I mean? Exactly. There's grids yeah, everywhere, different grids, mate. Isn't it? Different levels of grids. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Um, anyway, what I'm saying is I'd love to live in a bush. Behind a bush. Behind in a bush. bush. Well, yeah. in Oh, you did live in a bush for a while, didn't you, in that a local park that you had your network of tunnels? Yeah. In the bush yeah. in the park. It, it wasn't it was full-time kind of, bush living, but it was a lot of daytime hours was in, like, you got, yeah. You got a taste for the off-grid lifestyle. I, I did, guess, yeah. By doing that. Yeah, there's always some kind of source somewhere, isn't there, when you look back? Um, so this is part two of Gulliver's tr- four-part um, epic. This is part two, A Voyage to Brob... Brob... I can't say it. Brobdingnag. <laughs> it's such a stupid name. June. It's a really lazy name. You know, like, if you've ever tried to write fiction or anything, you have to make up things. You, you yeah. know, it takes a long time sometimes to make up a character name, doesn't it? Or what mm. have you. Yeah? Or place name. Michael Sleeve. Michael Sleeve. There you are, just made one up. Michael yeah, well, Sleeve. anyway, we, we is, as far as character names concerned, we uh, came up with a system a long time ago. A name beginning with J <laughs> followed by a, an English town. <laughs> I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Western Supermare. <laughs> <laughs> no, the best was when, because it was basically, it was... Um, Jeremy Chichester was like, uh, yes. you know, and that was good. He was like some sort of, he was a solicitor, but he was more than solicitor. He was sort of like Magnum, did loads of stuff. Yeah, but do, you re- do you remember, you yeah. made up the name of his enforcer. Do you remember what the enforcer was called? I've forgotten what the enforcer was called. Jimmy Wigan. <laughs> Jimmy Wigan, of course. Yeah. And Get there out. was a bird as well. I can't remember what her name was. But it was really strong. I can't believe we gave up on that. No, it's still there. It's still there. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, Bro- what's his name? Bro- he wrote this. What's he called again? Swift. Jonathan Swift. Jonathan Swift, which, by the way, sounds like a really good made-up name. Um, I mean, jo- is, Swift the, is Swift the name of a town in the UK? Because if I'm so, thought, it No, but it's fucking good, though, isn't it? Jonathan Swift sounds like something Len would make up in the Leniverse. Anyway, you're very confident there. You're very confident there about saying that Swift isn't the name yeah, of the town. Yeah, that's true. Actually, there's all sorts of places in the in England that you don't know about villages and hamlets with weird names. 
I've just looked and I don't think it is. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, well. Uh, anyway, yeah, but what I'm saying is old Swifty boy, he's been a bit lazy here. Mm. Right, I've got to think of another place. The last one was called Lilliput. Now this next one's going to be the reverse where everyone's big and he's small. Oh, what should I call it? <sighs> you know, I just call it Brom Bing Bang. <laughs> 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 Come on, mate. You can do better than that. Ah, fuck it. That'll do for now. No, that's it. I'll, I'll put it there as a placeholder. I might go back later and change it. But for now, I'm going to call it Brobding Bang. <laughs> bing Bang Bong. Just call it Bing I mean, Bang Bong for now. <laughs> do you want to have a spoiler about the title of part three, Sam? Uh, if, yeah, I do. <laughs> part, part three. A voyage to Laputa, Balnibarbi... Lugnag, Glub Dub Drib, and Japan. <laughs> <laughs> right, I got to think. In this one, he goes to a number of places, so I got to think of a load of names. This is going to be a nightmare. Right, uh, Lapu, uh, Balimbari, Lugnag, Glub Dub Drib. Oh, I can't think of another one. Oh, fuck it, I'll just call the other one Japan. <laughs> but what I'll say is, it's not the Japan that we know about it with, you know, your Tamagotchis <sighs> and Sonic the Hedgehog. It's like a different <laughs> Japan. <laughs> Just call it well, Japan. Fact, look, chances are no fuck. It's the 18th century, so no fucker's going to have heard of no the real Japan. It. So they'll yeah. think that this is just somewhere that I've made up. Ah, uh, so this is this is the second one. Voyage to Brobdingnag, twentieth of June, seventeen o two to the third of June, seventeen o six. It's a four-year odyssey. It says Gulliver soon sets out again. I mean, why would he? Do you know what I mean? After the fucking experience I'd of Lilliput. Going, I'd be trying to I'd, get I'd home. Knock it out of the head. I'd be finding mm. another job Fuck close this. to home. Or go off grid, even. I'll go on, get a fucking job as a podcaster. <clears throat> Just get a fucking market stall somewhere. You know, homemade jewellery, something like that. If you had a market like stall, what sort, of, <clears throat> what sort of market stall would you have, Andy? I would sell me fucking music collection. Records and CDs. Yeah, but you've done yeah, that before, and then you regretted it. Yeah, yeah, and I'm buying them all back now. The things that I sold before at inflated prices. No, I, 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 if I had to have a market stall, if you were forcing me at gunpoint to have a mm. market stall. Yeah, it would have to be my records and my CDs and and all that shit. Well, maybe they don't yeah. have to be yours. Maybe you could buy wholesale and sell for a small well, margin. Well, I'd start off by selling mine because it's instant stock, isn't it? I've got stock there straight away. Mm. Gets the ball rolling. Then I can start buying up with it. Or do house clearances, you yeah. know? Acquire stock that way. But not that I've given it a great deal of thought. There's a guy who can but, come um, around your house and pick up like all your records and DVDs you don't want anymore and give yeah, you some cash. I'd do that. Yeah, I'd do, I'd, I'd do that for other people. And then you go round and... Sell yeah, them in the take market. The records off them. I mean, if if you know if there's been a death in the family or something, and they want to clear the house, and old old relatives died, chances are they'll all be like shite, like Perry Como, that you can't actually sell the stuff you see in charity shops all the time. But you might get one or two gems in there. I'd have to have a look first before I decide if I'm going to give them any money or not. At your market store, what would you wear? Would you wear it like because this would be a music thing? Would you wear something that made you look like a a man of music? What am I going to wear? Like, would you dress up like what is that? What, what, like you're on a Radio what, One like, road show? No, no. Well, why would you do that? <laughs> I'd just wear branding, mate. Is it market? You need no, to you not. need to have a brand. 
All right, all right. I'll dress up like a Harlequin. <laughs> and see that? I'll call it Harlequin Records. That's a brilliant idea. That is a brilliant idea. You would get more customers. Ah, he's good yeah. at that. Would this be in Sunderland, probably, this market still? Um, I guess it would have to be. Uh, yeah. Have you seen that lad what, dressed as a harlequin? He's got some good records there. And the thing about him is he knows his stuff. And he's a, but he's not like <coughs> one of these poor face cunts, like, you know, like in that film, um, what do you call it now? Uh, high Fidelity. He's not one of those snobby <laughs> cunts because he's he's got a sense of humour because he dresses like a harlequin. <laughs> he's approachable. You can approach a harlequin, can't you? And Harlequin say, man, I tell you something though. Harlequin Records was actually a record store in the nineteen seventies in London, and it, oh, in London. it became it became our price. No, everything comes yeah. back to our price. So weird, isn't it? Everything comes back to our price. Yeah, our price existed, and then they bought they bought up the Harlequin stores. I think that's where Danny Baker might have worked. He worked in a record oh, store. Oh yeah, that he worked one when in, he left um, school, not German Street, but oh, it was what it was. One Stop, I think it was called, the one he worked in. Yeah, that his one was in, because um, I remember reading it in his book, it was in, like, kind of Mayfair way. It was in, a, it was in right. an upmarket yeah. area, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, Elton John I'm... and Freddie Mercury used to come in. That's right. Yeah, Harlequin will have been his enemy, probably, at the yeah. time. But, yeah, I'd, I'd bring back Harlequin Records as the Harlequin. Any excuse to dress up as a Harlequin, basically... Do you know what I mean? Wasn't there a confectionery called Harlequin in the eighties? It was um, it was like a box. Yes, it was a yes, box they were of made treats. By Turries. Yeah, they were little, what? small, little, little block-sized, uh, individually wrapped. Weren't were they, they jellies? Were they sugar no, they were jellies? No, <laughs> I Terry think my mum used to send me sometimes. I think you know, like you don't when you're a kid, you're not really aware of depression. Or if you are, hmm. you sort of think of it as like, you know, oh, it's some nutter who's fucking crying in the park, trying to tear mm-hmm. their own, trying to pit, pit thinking that they're, they've taken acid, they think they're an orange and they're trying to peel their own face off, right? Yeah. But now I look back and I think, oh, God, my mum was well depressed in the 80s because she'd always do stuff like, right, take this money. Go to the petrol station. We're going to have a binge. That's what she'd call it, a binge. And I just thought a binge wow. specifically meant where you went to the petrol station or off-licence and got loads and loads of sweets and her a bottle yeah. of martini, yeah? yeah? And, yeah, we'd have a we'd have what was known as a binge, but it would be really insane, like an insane amount of sugar. Like, she'd give you, like, money to just spend entirely on sugar and a bottle of martini. And one of the main Fucking things hell. on her list was always a box of Harlequins. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I might feel a bit melancholy when I think about them. So I'm thinking about yeah. my mum depressed, trying to trying to numb her pain using confectionery and martini. Mm. Won't work. Um, yeah, work. but I think they were like different shapes of jellied, sugar jellied sweet, weren't they? I thought they were chocolates, but I could be wrong. I don't know. There was Terry's Neapolitans as well. They were individually wrapped chocolates, different flavours. Do you remember them? Yeah. What are they called? Terry's Neapolitans. Yeah, vaguely. 
It's a shame that we can't find Harlequins on the internet. At least I can't. I'm typing it in here. I found the box. Feels like I, a government. I, I can't feels find like a government cover up, doesn't it? Well, maybe that's why we all need to go off grid. Terry's Harlequin chocolates. Oh, cool. Either that or Terry's themselves have thought, <clears throat> right, we're wiping this. We're doing a Stalinist purge. No, I can't see. Um... Jalapeño. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Jalapeño. It was a failed 80s experiment in confectionery. Oh, there's an advert. There's an advert for Harlequins from 1985. Right, Ladies and gentlemen, the pleasure I offer is hard to resist. The oh. finest assortment in the world, I insist. Milk and plain chocolates, all stars in their right. With centers so splendid, you'll thrill with delight. Too many to remember, not one to forget. Some you might recognize, some you won't yet. They're all made by Terry's. Ah, I see you're impressed. Now all that remains is their name. Have you guessed? Terry's Harlequin, an assortment of magic. Tastes. Oh yeah, they were like um, quality street. Oh, all different chocolates. They were like quality street. So yeah, Terry's but, thought but, we're going to go into this market. They're like there's <coughs> Cadbury's yeah. Roses, there's Quality Street, which is made by I don't know who, Nestle, something like that. I think uh, yeah, might, might be. So Terry's thought we got to get in on this because we're we'll Christmas time. Yeah. This is a big fucking market. Right, ideas for a name. Love. Go. I want everyone around the table to hit me with at least one idea for a name. You. Uh, titbits. Titbits. All right, that's no. going down on the possible list. You. Sweet treats. <laughs> no. That's shit. Fuck off. Fuck off, you're fired. <laughs> Harlequin. No. Now, my ears are pricked Harlequin. up now. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm intrigued. But I am listening. Do you know what I mean? I, like, I could grow to It feels so wrong that it could be right. Do you get what I'm saying? Well... Yeah, it's a bit fancy. You know what I mean? It's got a picture of Harlequin on the box. You don't see Harlequins much anymore. You don't. Put a picture of the lad on the box, and people will think, oh, that's a bit unusual. We'll go for that. Cool. Yeah, it'll get grab people's attention. They could be repelled by it. It's gonna, we, we face facts, it's going to be a bit marmite. People are going to either really be repelled by it, or they're going to fucking go for it big time, like, like a religion. It's worth a punt. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm telling uh, you, Cadbury's Roses are vulnerable. I'm fucking telling you, they're vulnerable. They've got the second place in the market, but that could be ours. <laughs> we'll give it 18 months. Get them boxed up. And I think, you might not have picked that up when I was playing the, the advert there, but I think that was John Hurt doing the, the voice of the Harlequin in the ad. Most of the days High quality where stuff. 
he would have made it. He would have made a fucking fair few quid out of that. Oh yeah. Definitely. Did I ever tell you that yeah. my mate was in a restaurant once, and John Hurt was in there, and John Hurt was being mm. very noisy because he's John Hurt, and he was like, <laughs> yeah. he was squiffy and telling a theatrical anecdote. This was in Soho, right? Oh yeah. And someone leaned across. He was like being so noisy. Yeah, he was doing the old Harlequin routine, wasn't he? Have you seen Have you seen my new television commercial for Harlequins? People are oh, saying darling. it's a... Larry says it's a triumph. <laughs> <laughs> it may be the first commercial to win a BAFTA. Anyway, <laughs> apparently, this is second-hand from my mate, someone leaned across and said, excuse me, do you mind? Meaning, do you mind keeping it down? And quick as a flash, do you know what John Hurt turned around and said? He goes, <laughs> I always remember what? this, right? He's turned around, he's gone, yes, I do mind, actually, you anonymous cunt. <laughs> oh! Oh, man. Oh, fucking hell. Like, literally, no fucking hesitation. Like I say, that is a second-hand anecdote, but Not obviously I've always remembered the exact phrasing because it's so spectacular. Oh. And I actually think it's really horrible because... As someone who has probably irritated so many people in public by being loud, because obviously mm. I have a loud, vo- a loud, annoying voice, that it, you know, most people don't say anything, but occasionally if they do, and it usually is older people, I, mm. I am really apologetic. I don't ever really resent it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think, oh, but you're yeah. not John Hurt. I'm not, yeah, exactly. I'm not John Hurt. I'm like, I'm Sam Delaney. You don't need to hear this shit. That's how yeah. I feel. But I suppose if you're John Hurt, you'll probably think to yourself, it's a fucking privilege for you to hear my wonderful voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the and amazing if you were on the receiving end, If you were on the receiving end of that, what could you do? There's nowhere to go, is there? You've just got to just skulk back it's into so your funny, shell. You anonymous you, cunt is such a cutting insult, cunt. isn't it? Yes, I do mind actually. You're none of us cunt. No hesitation either. So it obviously, it wasn't the first. It wasn't his first rodeo. It wasn't the first no, time he'd been asked it? to quieten down in a public place. <laughs> no, he had that in his locker, didn't he? Ready? Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. Fuck me. That's John brilliant. Hurt. What a man. He was a great man when he John hurt. Uh, is he dead now? Is he? Oh, he's well dead. Yeah. Is he? Okay. He's well I'm dead. I'm just trying to see if there's any... And the other great man that, that I... what well, you know, not perhaps quite such a esteemed actor, maybe, but another mm. posh man with a wonderful voice from a similar era, Denham Elliott. Yeah. Denham Elliott. Oh, yeah, Denham I mean, Elliott. a yeah. man named after the best fabric as well. Do you know what I mean? Denham, yeah. Like, his parents knew what they were doing right from the get-go. Call him fucking mm. Denham. Because that's wasn't, cool. Wasn't Denham... No, Denham Elliott wasn't in... Um, I thought he was in Never the Twin there with Windsor Davies, but he wasn't, was he? No, that's... Uh, that's that other... There, he's that another cool? one with a very posh voice. Toby something, isn't it? No. Oh. Very yeah. plummy voice, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm, uh, that's it, yeah. Never the Twin. Donald Sinden. Of course it was Donald Sinden. Donald yeah, Sinden. Donald Sinden was always mind. being mocked in Spitting Image. They always portrayed him, didn't yes. they? Because he was always yeah. like fuming that he hadn't been given a knighthood. <laughs> yeah. 
I'd like the early early episodes of Spitting Image had John Gielgud and Lawrence Olivier, didn't they? Fucking hamming it up. Oh yeah. And I didn't know John Super. Gielgud. What John Gielgud was tiny in Spitting Image. Yeah. With a tiny head. Yeah. And Lawrence Olivier was. Much I, yeah, I didn't know who either of them were exactly. Uh, other than there was various characters in Spitting Image that, as a child, you weren't really aware of because Spitting Image was coming out of like Private Eye and stuff, really, wasn't it? It was those sensibilities, mm. and I've always thought with Private Eye, which. I've never been a particular fan of because I've always thought it's quite, in a way, you have to be quite plugged in to sort of get private eye. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's in a little world of like the media and Fleet Street and Westminster yeah. and all the gags. Are do you, like um, that. do you subscribe to private eye, Sam? Me? No, I'm not. Do you, I'm take, not a, do you take private eye? I, no, I'm no. not. A, a, that's what I'm saying. I, it's not a, it, you know, I know it's probably not a popular thing to say, but I've never really been a fan. I've given it a go a few times. I'm like, oh, there's something about it I find a bit smug, to be honest. Like, you have to be in on the joke. Like, it's for the clever well, I, kids. Well, I subscribe to it. Right. I subscribe to it, but I don't read the funny stuff that's in the middle. I just read the political stuff at the front. Right. The political corruption stuff and all that. What, because they really report good journalism, on stuff that the newspapers don't? Yeah, yeah. That's I, that's as far as I get. I don't get as far as the... Are they the, always the on satire? about, like, cabinet members who are secretly on the board of a huge big yeah, pharma company yeah, and shit like yeah. that? Yeah, and, and it gets to the point where you're not surprised, but it's just, you know, it's good to know there's someone out there digging this stuff up. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, um, I suppose it's good for that. Anyway. Yeah, you've got to support good journeys. Well, I never thought of it like that. I always thought that it was sort of satire, but satire that I felt was a bit like... No, like it, not, it, I mean, the, the, me. the funny stuff... The funny stuff's just like a shit fizz. That's what I thought. I like vi- I like viz sort of thing, and I don't know. It's like yeah, I kind of felt it was for like, from my experience, it was either kids who were people who were in on that, who lived in that world, you know, yeah. or not that I'm saying I didn't. Look at me, I'm right in the metropolitan elite, but you know, fucking hell, balls deep in it, balls deep in it, mate. I'm not trying to make a oh yeah, I'm just the lad. I'm just the lad working my market stall in Sunderland, selling me records. I don't know nothing about the just, fancy just, world up, just up that, west. Just that was a fucking harlequin. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't know. I'd doff my cap to those sorts of folk. No, I mean, I'm not making out that, but nevertheless, <laughs> I, just, I'm sort I don't of know anything. I, I don't know nothing other than going out there every day with my face all powdered up <laughs> and my little slippers with the little shiny buckles on selling me records. Yeah, it's all about you. You met your men who work on the big newspapers up in London and your big politicians <laughs> oh. and all your fancy folk. Oh, I wouldn't know about that. I'm just happy but in the Harlequin that world how it works. <laughs> I don't know how it works. It's, it's not my business to know how it works. <laughs> Nor should I know. I keep like my nose out. I stay where I'm. I know what my lane is, and I stay in it. Yeah, it's not that <laughs> so much. I sort of think I'm fucking now. I don't care what he said in his fucking fancy newspaper column. Let him write what he wants to come. Is that? Well, you know, they're just always having digs at other journalists and stuff, aren't they? You know. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um. I don't know. It seems. Um, foolish to now enter the world of Gulliver's Travels because we've almost run out of time again. But just quickly, it, uh, in this new place that he goes with the daft name, I am right thinking yeah. that it's just like he goes somewhere and it's the reverse of Lilliput where he's big and everyone's little. And what's interesting is every adaptation 
every movie, they just skip over that bit. So what Jonathan Swift should have learned from this book is everyone loves the bit where he's big and everyone else is mm. small. That is what everyone thinks of with Gulliver's Travels. In fact, you often get it referenced. People go, might go something like, say someone's eating a fun-sized Mars bar or a mixer can mm. of Coca-Cola. Someone like a witless boar might go, oh, I feel like Gulliver here. Right. And yeah. I feel like going, oh, yeah. But no. I feel like going, oh, yeah, Gulliver where? Because yeah. not Gulliver when he's in Rob Ding Dang, mate. If that's good, no, exactly. That takes yeah. up as much of the book. So what do you mean exactly by I feel like Gulliver, cunt? Uh, and, yeah. and then Anna's like, Sam, you're ruining the barbecue of my colleague. Why, why did you call that man a cunt? Because he's fucking bandying around this Gulliver reference with clearly scant knowledge of the fucking text. Oh, come on, come on, my friend. There's no, there's no need. There's every need, you anonymous cunt. <laughs> oh, don't call him anonymous. That's um, my colleague's husband. He's a really good guy. He's a fucking prick, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> What's he doing eating a fun-sized Mars bar on a barbecue, anyway? Yeah, anyway, I'll fucking stick that on a barbecue, shall I, for you, cunt? Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, I'll stick your face on it at the same time. Maybe that'll fucking teach you a lesson about making literary <laughs> allusions at a fucking barbecue without the fucking balls to back them up. Now yeah. have this. Eat it. Psh, Eat psh, it. Ah, Eat you're it. in my face. Yeah, that's fucking right. You won't be fucking referencing Gulliver like that again in hurry, will you? <laughs> oh, dear. I've made a real mess of your boat race, haven't I? It's got all black marks across it now. You've got all char-grilled. Oh, never mind. What are you crying for? Why are all the kiddies crying? Why are all the kiddies in this barbecue running about screaming just because I barbecued someone's boat? Come on, the sausages are nearly ready. Cheer up, you cunts. Kids, gavel round. You can have what's left of his shitty Mars bar. I've got a box of Harlequins here, <laughs> left over from the 80s. Who wants one? <laughs> <laughs> Sam, we're leaving. You've ruined the co- You've ruined the barbecue. I was going to get a really good business deal off the back of this, but I don't suppose there's much chance of that now. <laughs> don't worry. You'll get your deal <laughs> if they know what's good for them. <laughs> Fuck them. Start a record store. That's where the future is. <laughs> We don't need these cunts. Let's go. <laughs> they don't, these cunts don't know their arse from their elbow. Going around with their fucking fancy voices, talking about books to try and make out they're clever, but I guarantee you, half of them haven't even fucking read the books they're talking about. <laughs> fucking private eye-reading cunts. <laughs> Come on, we're going, get in the motor. <laughs> We're going out to read Viz. Come on. <laughs> real I'll, people. I'll, I'll stop off and get us a falafel kebab on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, so uh, next time we'll have another crack at doing part two of Gulliver's Travels, A Voyage to Brobdingnag. I think we've done um, it. I think we've done that bit well, of it. we haven't. We, we know really that he's big and, and we know that he's yeah. small and they're all big. listen. I mentioned this last time. I think there's a sentence in the in the Wikipedia page between small adventures such as fighting giant wasps and being <laughs> carried to the roof by a monkey. We very much have not done this yet, Sam. So 
that's all that we looked into. Oh, mate, I made a cracking joke about a wasp in the gym the other day. I'll tell you it just before we go. So basically, oh, right, yeah. down the gym with my personal trainer, Jordan, right? And gym joke. There was, there was another geezer, a young lad, right? He was new to it. Mm. And he suddenly went, he looked nervous. And Jordan said to him, what are you looking at, mate? And this young lad goes, there's a wasp. And then we looked at it and it was just fucking there, just on the floor in the gym next to the, like, you know, like the bar, you know, the dumbbell bar, the bench. And I go, and I walk over, because as soon as I hear a wasp, I'm thinking I'm interested, right? And he goes, I think, I go, yeah, what's all this? Stand aside. Let's have a look at this then. (laughs) I've heard some chat about a wasp. Oh, God, get me microscope out. Good job I'm fucking here. I know quite a bit about wasps. It was massive, this wasp, right? They go, it's massive. And one of them goes, I think that's the queen wasp. And then I looked at the young lad. I go, oh, him? I said, yeah. I'll tell you what, he weren't that big last week. <laughs> it was superb gymnasium humour it was one of those jokes where everything came together because you're in a gym yeah there was a new yeah. lad there was a personal trainer and there was a massive yeah. wasp and a like you know wasp. when like everything fits into place perfect storm perfect storm of humour and I said it brilliant and then I walked off you know like if you see like something yeah. like Denzel Washington in Man on Fire where he drops a grenade and he walks off and the explosion's behind yeah. him. I just walked away, yeah. walked towards some weights. Yeah. Started lifting yeah. them while everyone else was just like pissing themselves I'll, laughing. I'm, I'm going home. I ain't topping that. Yeah. That's see you done. later, cuds. Hang on. I'll just do a thousand fucking bicep curls really quick. Watch this. <laughs> see you, cunts. I'll do, I'll do a thousand reps while the adrenaline's still flowing off that gag. <laughs> the, the buzz I've just got off that gag. I can fucking lift here more than I've ever lifted before in my fucking life. I can pull a right. fucking plough with my teeth right now. Uh, <laughs> All right, we'll try again next week then, shall we? Yeah. Look all of us travels. <laughs> that should be the sign-off line of every podcast we do. Right, we'll try again next week. <laughs> Tempt field. <laughs> all right, thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye. All the best. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.